Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Around here for anybody, and everybody bear down, dug in. We had to, we had to lay claim on what we were saying we were going to lay claim on. It was time to man up. And it's a major deal for our program, the intensity and how hard you have to play to get that kind of win. Interruption Radio Show. Pardon the PC interruption. My name is Dan Rubin, joined by my co-host, Mr. AJ Black. AJ, it, it feels it feels so right, doesn't it? It's a Tuesday night, and we're getting ready for football season. Yeah, it feels like a year ago that we were just thinking about losing to Penn State, and I've been, you know, it's, you're ruminating over that loss for for months. It felt like forever, and now college football's back, and yeah. Summer's, summer's, you know, winding down, which, you know, after the winter we had is kind of stinks. But, you know, when college football comes back, it makes things all that much better. Well, it was uh, just a few short months ago, as, as you said, that it feels like Boston College lost that bowl game to Penn State. Uh, taking on Penn State in the pinstripe bowl. Another, by by most accounts, just to, you know, we wrapped things up last year by talking about it. We said another, you know, successful season. I wouldn't call it wildly successful season, but a successful season at 7-5 and five, uh, in the regular season. They lose the bowl game, probably should have won the bowl game. Uh, the major holes on the team last year, 
rearing their head at the exact worst possible moment. And by that, we, we talk about the kicking game. You know, that's all been put to bed uh, in terms of 2014, which is what makes this feel good is that it's a new day. It does feel like it just happened yesterday, but it was a few months ago. We're going to talk about new players, a new day, new coaches. And uh, I guess most importantly, as we're coming in here to the, uh, to the, the start of the season, is it feels like this year going to be totally different than the year that we had uh, in 2014. But just it, just if you run down the roster, it's going to be a totally different season, almost as if it was uh, we, we've dealt with another new era of BC picking up. Yeah, I think that's so true on both sides of the ball. You look at how different BC is going to play this year, the schemes they're going to play. Don Brown talked already during uh, the first scrimmage, saying that last year his playbook was kind of limited because he didn't have the guys to blitz five or six guys at a time. Uh, safely and, and uh, with, the, with the personnel he had. But now he's got, you know, four or five defensive ends that he can throw out there at different points and keep them fresh. You know, last year the defense was fun to watch, but we saw them, you know, make mistakes still. There was still, you know, the uh, you know the plays where defensive backs were falling all over the place and letting up points. You know, I think the defense is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year, and that's very different from last year. And then when you look at offense, you know, Tyler Murphy was – was the star last year, you know, of course, Hilleman and Alston made plays as well, but he was, he was the highlight reel and he's gone. So they're going to have to reform their defense. And I mean, they're reform their offense. And I think it's going to be a very different thing. And, you know, looking at FCS schools to start the season, you don't really get that excited, but just from a football geek standpoint, I'm just excited just to see what they're going to look like those first two games. Yeah. I I think uh, that it's, it's incredibly uh, attractive uh, for for detraction, if, if you will. It it's incredibly attractive to to crap all over the start of the season with the with the opponents that Boston College has. It's it going to be incredibly attractive depending on what happens to to slam some of the, the the successes of the team with an overreaction if they don't play well against either Maine or Howard. But you're exactly right from a football geek standpoint, from a guy who who looks at it and says, well. Would you jump in with this team and play a Florida State Week 1 or a Virginia Tech Week 1? You simply can't do it. And seeing as if the defense is going to be as good as people are proclaiming it to be, it's an unfair assessment for the offense to step into a scrimmage and struggle because that's what that's what's happened. Uh, so they're they're out there struggling, and you just can't get the feel for it Maybe you do a little bit when they're facing a team that doesn't know the offensive scheme, doesn't know anything that's going on. And at the same time, it's the benefit from playing a couple of FCS schools. I think maybe in the past, we we may look at the schedule and say, well, this sucks. But I think heading into this season, the way that the preseason has gone, I think a lot of people definitely aren't softening to the idea, but they can find a silver lining if they choose to in those first two opponents. Yeah, as much as I want to see them play Alabama in the first game or play, you know, any team, you name it, USC, Oregon State, any team in the in the in the first game, this team is raw, and I think Adazio knows that, and I think maybe that's part of the reason why the scheduling went that way. And you can hoot and holler about how much you wanted BC to play two power teams, and yeah, it would have been nice to see a, a power school coming here, but what good is that going to do if? the opening game, Darius Wade gets hurt because the offensive line can't stop Alabama's defense or whoever they're throwing against them. They, they get killed, and that's not going to help your team at all. That's just going to make them worse. And they needed a chance to kind of slowly, gradually build their way into the season. They're getting that. And I think it's gonna, that can only help a young team build confidence and really prepare themselves for their, you know, their week three and four opponents in Florida State and uh, Northern Illinois. Well, for those of you who are tuning in for the first time to BCI Radio, we do this every Tuesday during football season. We always make a valiant attempt to keep it going after that and then usually fall short until hockey season uh, when the Eastern Bias guys take over from there. Uh, But in terms of the football season, we're here every Tuesday in the week leading up to the game, even during bye weeks. We'll talk about the week prior, size up the week upcoming, usually try to get a guest on to talk about the week upcoming, the opponent that we may be able to turn the corner with uh, on Tuesdays really serve as your turning page from the from the Saturday or in some cases Friday prior 
and move it towards uh, the, the upcoming Saturday game. This week, a special guest who's going to be joining us here in the preseason edition, John Meter Perel, the voice of Boston College Athletics, that does the play-by-play for the Eagles football, also uh, takes care of the basketball play-by-play. He'll be calling in in about 10 minutes to, uh, to talk with us at about 20 past the hour. Uh, also, feel free to call in for your sake. Give us a call at area code 646-200-0446. Disagree with us, that's great. Agree with us, we like that even more. But feel free to call in, talk about the Eagles, talk about your thoughts, uh, and we'll be keeping this going all season. Uh, AJ and I, as long as uh, something doesn't come up, we'll most likely be on the air. Uh, I know when we say, unless something comes up, I woke up this morning in Canada uh, and drove home. And judging by the condition I was in in Canada this morning, we're lucky we have a show right now, AJ. That was it was a little touch and go there for a couple of hours, especially when I approached the board, approached the border control, smelling like Christian Slater in 1997. Dan, I'm just glad that you made this. It sounded like it was a tough situation today, and uh, I think that shows your dedication to BCI Radio. The fact that you busted your butt to get all the way from Montreal down here after endless drinks and shots last night um it sounded like it was an epic night and uh i gotta say i'm a little jealous especially on a tuesday uh tuesday evening that you got to experience that uh that debauchery on a monday night that's something i haven't had a chance to do in a while hey i credit i credit my wife for talking me into it i uh for for what it's worth i i can't, I can't believe i was able to to pull back a throwback performance and make it past like 10 30 at night but uh credit <laughs> But it was a uh, it was a touch and go morning, and the ride back was was not fun. But you know we're here. We got a show. We've got football. Like I said, we're going to have uh, John Meter Perel joining us from uh, from Boston College. Uh, really a great inside source for us this year. We usually talk to some good insiders uh, in our stable here that, that that enjoyed speaking with us. I know uh, we talk a lot with Eric Hopsis throughout the year over at uh, over at Rivals. Um, we talk a lot with uh, with even uh, down there with our, our Atlanta Eagle Bill. Um, are a great a great stable of guys who comment on our boards. Uh, you know this is this is the time where if you're not used to to commenting or you're not you don't want to jump in with with the wolves a little bit. You get to call in with us. You get to talk to us about about your thoughts for the football team. And you know if you, even if you just want to weigh in the schedule, whatever it is, you know this is why we're here for the preseason and. And hopefully y'all will, will join in uh, throughout the year. I know AJ, you and I throughout the summer uh, have had the chance to talk with um, with a number of, of other media outlets, and uh, it's always interesting to hear the thought process for BC when they talk to us about it and say what they think about Boston College, as opposed to then asking us about what we see because we're obviously in a very different vantage point. Yeah, you know, I think we've had a lot of chances to really expand our, our horizon in terms of who we talk to this off season. You know, BCI has really grown into like a. I think we're I think we're getting to become a pretty legitimate source, uh, and we have been, but it continues to grow. Um, as you'll see on our site as the as the year progresses, we've gotten more uh, access to some of the coaches. To some of the, we have some you know recruiting sources now that we can actually use on our site. I think that's going to be exciting news for our BC fans that want to get more insider information um, about the team. Um, and we you know we're still looking into building on to what we have as on the site and what we're uh, bringing to you as fans. And we hope that you enjoy it. And we always are up for you know um, suggestions on what you want from us. Um, if you have suggestions on how the site can get better, we'd always love to hear that kind of stuff too. Yeah, we try we try really hard to to incorporate it. Just you know, don't don't say anything about my mom. That's all I ask. So <laughs> you can come up with anything. Just don't just don't say anything about my mom. Um, other than that, uh, you know, we we turn it back. It's our little bit of our, our our chest puff and patting ourselves on the back and hopefully getting you excited to be spending your Tuesday night with us again. Feel free again. Call us the number. We say it way too much as it is. Hopefully you have it stored in your cell phone. But it's six four six two hundred zero four four six. It does not. It's a regular standard call in the United States. Uh, I, I believe also the, if we have someone up in Canada, you, you can call in with us as well. So uh, you know, feel free to call in, and uh, we will get you on the air. Uh, as I mentioned, John Meter Perel to join us tonight as our first guest of the season. AJ, we, we kick off the season. You know, I feel like we rehash a lot about this team, but the more, every, as the weeks have gone by, the more and more we've talked about this team, there's some things about BC football that we're really excited about from this preseason. But there's some things that we're looking at this team and 
You know, it's great to look on paper and say, well, they'll be all right. We trust Steve Adazio, but there's some real problems that we're going to be able to talk about throughout the preseason. Yeah, you know, I think it's good to keep some perspective, but I still think it's it's reasonable to be to keep some, you know, to have some uh, hesitations about where BC football is at right now. Um, you know, I, I was talking, I saw online, um, I think it was Quaver that was actually talking about it on another site, saying that, you know, BC fans are panicking, but last year in their first scrimmage, BC turned over the ball nine times in their first scrimmage last year, and the offense came out looking okay. So I think there's some, you know, you know, there's some, you know, easy ways to panic about what we've seen so far. But I also think it's important to look at what the limitations of this team is going to be this year. BC football is not built this year for 2015. They're going to have, they're, you know, the goals are to win and, and they're going to do their best to win. But, you know, Adazio is pushing for a big run starting in 2016. The team's going to be, you know, the underclassmen are going to be built, you know, more with more strength. They're going to be more experienced. I think that's going to be where we're going to start to see where BC is going to be really a strong team. So, you know, looking at this year, some of the weaknesses I've already started to see, you know, um, looking at injuries, I think injuries is already starting to pop up. Wide receivers um, are dropping like flies for the Eagles. Uh, Swigart isn't playing yet, uh, which, you know, he's just gravy if he plays at all this year. And, you know, they just had to change over Elijah Robinson from quarterback to wide receiver to get some more, um, you know, uh, eligible bodies out there because Nolan Borgensen's hurt. Um, ben Glines is hurt and he could be out for a while. He may not return. Um, Harrison, J- Harris Jackson. Uh, uh, yeah. Harris Jackson. Yeah. Uh, he's coming back from an injury. So there's all these different guys that are coming back. Um, but you know, for someone, for a team that many people want to throw the ball more, I still think they're limited in what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, and and when you think about the the whole concept of Boston College football and you think about the way that the team plays, over the last two years, we went in last year assuming that Boston College was going to find a way to just run the ball and pound it up the middle and, you know, they, they continue to pound the rock with the guys who were there. We did not predict at the beginning of the year that John Hilleman would be the revelation that he was the freshman, uh, that Sherm Alston wasn't even a name that I think we were thinking about in August or September uh, until he, he came out of nowhere, really, for us. He, you know, he might have been a good secret for the for the football purists that they knew that where it was coming, and you know the purists at the the hardcore guys within the program they knew what was coming. As for us, we didn't really know it until we saw him the first couple times like his coming out party against USC. You know, we saw him throughout uh, flashes throughout the year, but we never we never really expected them to come out and all of a sudden be this essentially triple option type read option type team. So we're trying to extrapolate that this year and we're trying to see it this year and see, well, this is what they ran last year. Darius Wade's supposed to be a better passer. So maybe instead of, you know, B button turbo up the left side, uh, he'll, he'll pull it back and throw to either an H back or a tight end or a wide receiver. So we're trying to, to throw, essentially darts against the wall and see what's happening. But really we're not going to know until we see the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that's one thing that Adazio has done well is, you know, you'll read the scrimmage recaps, but you really don't know who those guys are going to be. You know, there's a couple names that have popped up of people um, that you just, you know, you just don't know. Um, like guys like Chase Panky, he's a, he's a freshman wide receiver, made a big play in the second scrimmage. Um, you know, Zach Allen, a defensive lineman, you know, these are going to be names that we don't talk about right now, but come week seven, week eight, you're going to start hearing them more when Mita Farrell is uh, announcing it. If you're not, if you're listening at home or you're going to see them, uh, you know, on the two deep every week. I think that's exciting. I think that's what's one of the fun parts about watching a young football team. While they may make a lot of mistakes, you get to see them grow. You get to see guys come out that you just not know. You just don't know as well. And you get to see them really kind of solidify their roles on teams. I think that's honestly, you know, a lot of fun. John Beaner Perel, the, uh, the voice of the Eagles who, uh, who's, who's coming on with us. He'll, he'll be on with us to talk about Boston college. Uh, a guy who, uh, you know, when you're driving home, sometimes you, you miss the, you, we want to catch the end of the game and, and you're not there. John, John, uh, you know, like I said, I, I've said before, he's a, uh, you know, he, He's been there a while. He brings a good perspective to the program. 
you know, in terms of, of years, he, he jumped on back when they were, when the program was really coming into its own. And, uh, you know, you think back of what's happened over the last 10 years, if you're new to Boston College, there's been a lot of intricacies and a lot of interweaving points that sometimes are hard to get to. And, uh, you know, you get an appreciation for, for what you see today, knowing what you saw 10 years ago versus what you saw five years ago. And it's easy to look at face value, but he's a guy who brings that perspective. There's a lot of people around this program. Uh, John's one. Uh, Pete Cronin, who does the uh, the color commentary, Brian St. Pierre, part of the uh, who you know has has been throughout. Uh, you know, he was an NFL quarterback. You see him occasionally in the media. Scott Mutrin, who's a name that people don't even you know think about, but but Mutrin was a was a starting quarterback for the Eagles back in the '90s. You think about the guys who are around this program, and if you're new to Boston College, AJ, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of exciting for the sole purpose of you know, this is what you see, a bunch of people who have been years and years in, and they'll kind of be the, uh, the people who walk you through the, through the process. They're your tour guides for, BCI foot, for, for BC football and BCI football. Yeah, I mean, as a local kid, as a local guy who's lived around this area for a while, Mita Perel has been what I've known about BC football for years. He's the voice that I always associate with BC football. You know, whether you love him or hate him, and his catchphrases, I kind of find him cool. Um, you know, eagle in the end zone and uh, – you know, I can remember him, you know, his calls when Matty Ryan made some of his big plays and he he's kind of like a warm presence. He was a warm presence even when Spaz was, you know, we were dealing with what what Spaz put us through. So I think, you know, having him on today is going to be a lot of fun. Well, as I mentioned, every Tuesday we are on. Give us a call, 646-200-0446. We're waiting on, uh, on John Meter Perel to call in, and once he is here, we will be talking Eagles football with the guy who uh, is your voice through your radio dial over there on WEEI 850 AM. Also hosts a show on 850 um, every week on Mondays from the Stockyard Restaurant over there in Brighton. If you get down there, he's hosting with Steve Adazio in the flesh. Um, one of the things that, that you know, if you're if you're a Boston sports guy and you're a Boston sports radio guy, there, there's a couple of – it used to be a one-horse one kind of town. You always had the down there AM 1510 would kind of existed, but it was really a one-horse town. Ever since W uh, the CBS station, uh, the sports hub came along, now you get who, – who does Notre Dame games in Boston, of all things, but you get – WEEI moving to the FM dial. They still have the AM dial, and it's opening up a lot of possibilities for Boston College on the radio. Uh, John's going to be hosting, as I mentioned, Mondays uh, from, I believe, 7 to 8 p.m. We'll let him talk about it a little bit more when he's on with us, talking about uh, talking with Steve Adazio. If you're in the area, you head down to the stockyard, you'll get to see them uh, doing their show. It, it's very exciting. Uh, very exciting things of how Boston College is getting bigger uh, from a, a football standpoint. I know like I said, I know times we look at this program and we, we study the in- intricacies and we get extremely frustrated with places like Bain and Howard being on the schedule. But it's also easy to forget that this is in the process of growth. And realistically, come October, I don't think we'll remember Maine and Howard. But my prediction for the schedule, AJ, and I'm not going to get too deep into this. We can talk about this later, is that there is one thing that bothers me. And that's that six and six won't be good enough. And I think this team taking a step back offensively from last year, a little bit in terms of installing new pieces, is capable of going six and six. And that's just not going to be good enough this year. Yeah, they're going to have to. BC is going to have to have one of those wins again like they had last year, one of those wins they had against USC. And they can't lose. There can't be any, you know, what the WTF losses to a team like Wake Forest or Syracuse this year. You can't have that. They're going to have to sweep Wake Forest, Syracuse, and they're going to have to pull some wins out against teams that they need to beat, teams like Northern Illinois, Duke, Virginia Tech, something like that. Uh, They're going to have to win some of those games, or they're not going to go bowling again. It's going to be as simple as that. And They're going to have to really pull together some a season that they're, you know, is – on par from la- with last year. And I think that's going to be a challenge for them. It's going to be really tough. No, I think it's going to be yeah. a tough thing for them. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really tough when you look at the schedule because the ACC is going to be 
one of in its form one of the most competitive conferences in in the nation. Uh, Wednesday nights, uh, Mark Rogers TV hosts a uh, video cast uh, that I've been a part of uh, that, that I know a bunch of ACC bloggers have been a part of. And the consensus among some of the other bloggers and some of the, the blogosphere and some of the other experts is that this is one of the most competitive ACCs ever. Like This, this, this is going to be, you'll go top to bottom in the conference uh, with teams, even in the Atlantic Division. You know, Boston College might off the bat potentially be the fifth best team at best in the ACC Atlantic Division. Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, we, there's three right there. That's half your potential. That's more than half of the games you can lose in a given year. Then NC State, I know their non-conference schedule stinks, but they're perennially 7-5. and five. They're perennially 6-6. Six and six. Uh, They've had their steps back. I know they were 3-9 and nine a couple of years ago. But they're historically a team like North Carolina, it doesn't matter how bad or good they might be, can go is capable of putting together a 7-5 and five season. You have all of them on the schedule. And then you add Virginia Tech as the crossover game. And then you add Notre Dame. And all of a sudden, your schedule, forget the two FCS games. Those two, even if you take those two wins, this schedule after those first two weeks is a murderer's row of opponents, especially in late October. Yeah, I I think what you said is completely true, Dan. I mean, they're they're not – this schedule is one of the – it's going to be tough. and. They needed that slow start to kind of get themselves amped up and ready for this run because, you know, with a young team going out there against a defensive line like Clemson, a defensive line like Louisville, those offensive linemen better be ready because if they're not, they're going to get smoked and we're not going to be able to establish run. Forget the pass. Darius Wade's going to be on his butt half of the game if that's what they're going to do. So they're going to need to – they're going to figure out some ways to get themselves ready, and I think – Basically, by extending summer practices by two weeks, they've kind of done that. Yeah, absolutely. They've that, that's a you know that's the one thing when we look back on the uh, on the on the schedule and we look on the the extension of, rather of the the schedule, meaning the the preseason schedule, is that when you have a work in progress, in this team, defensively and offensively, is a work in progress. Uh, you know, the there's a lot of pieces that are uncertain that need two-a-days, that need time, and they need a, a lot of time in order to get ready. And that's exactly what they're doing. Uh, you know, I'd rather them play like crap in a scrimmage, and I'd rather Steve Adazio say that the offense makes them sick in a scrimmage than have him say that after inexplicably you wind up going to double overtime against Maine. And when someone says, oh, that's not possible, it's just a reminder that Syracuse, although – a terrible team last year. You know, they were, they were a bad team last year. They played Villanova and it took two overtimes to beat them. So it's, it's possible if you're not ready and having the extra practice is something that makes me excited because we know that there's, there's never enough. I'd rather have two more weeks on top of that. Let them practice all summer just to get those guys a little bit more in sync. Right. And I, I think Adazio even said that he was talking after the second scrimmage and he said, you know, it's taking him, taking the team a lot longer to install some of these plays than he expected. I think he went in with a game plan and he, you know, that could be just him trying to motivate his team, but he was saying, you know, he has to now cut back the playbook a little bit because he's understanding that it's taking them a little bit longer than he expected and they're not catching what they need to do. So, you know, just getting those extra practices in and getting themselves ready for a team like Maine and Howard it's going to be able to allow them to install more for their offense and to, you know, to expand their playbook and to do things that they wouldn't have been able to do if they started right off the bat. Well, if you think about last year with the playbook, we saw uh, during last year's season, uh, you know, you had those guys like a, like a Tyler Murphy and like, uh, and like the running backs. If you open up the year against UMass, that was a very stripped down playbook. I mean, they did not blow me away watching that game at Gillette. Uh, Good reason, though, it was my bachelor party day, so there's a good possibility I don't remember. I actually don't remember the fourth quarter at all in that game. Um, but when you look at the next week against Pittsburgh, they opened up the playbook. They did a couple of more things, a couple of different things with the playbook, with the way that they threw the ball, with the way that they opened up a couple of patterns. And when they went into that third game against USC, they saw that the playbook against UMass worked 
in the playbook, that same playbook, those same plays against Pittsburgh worked very well when they, they were never out of the Pittsburgh game. And when they went to USC, they said, we can't do, we lost the game against Pittsburgh because we tried doing this and this and this, and we simply weren't ready for it. So they went into the USC game and they said, we're not going to do it. And they're doing it. They're doing it different, and they did what they – that's what they're doing this year. But that USC game, remember that the Pittsburgh game, they were never out of, but at the same time, they decided to use what worked, and let's focus on that. So the first two weeks of the season, those are going to be huge to see, can we expand the playbook beyond the basics? But, my God, that first week against Maine, it, throw the playbook out the window. We're looking for just like – if it's like Tecmo Super Bowl where you just run four or five plays, I'll be fine with it. Yeah, uh, you know, if they're going to run, you know, Hilleman off tackle, play action pass, Sherman jet sweep, and one other play, we're in good shape. That's all I care about for the first week. You know, they just need to have those set of plays. Then add four more for the next week. And then, you know, you got nine plays going against Florida State. But you can, uh, you know, you can, you can build from there. But I think, you know, just at this point, basics is what they're going to be looking at. Um and I think that's where we're at right now. So I haven't heard, uh, you know, we're still waiting for John to call in. I don't know. I sent him a message, so hopefully we'll hear from him soon. Yeah, we we apologize for it. I'm sure people who are tuning in would much rather listen to him than listen to us. I, I know I'd much rather listen to him than listen to us. I, I, I'd yeah. much rather listen to anybody except listen to me. And I usually listen to myself on a – the good thing is when we're done with the show, it automatically archives to iTunes. So if you want to watch it after the fact or listen to it, you can't watch it. Thank God you can't watch it because the way I look right now, nobody needs to see what I that, – that, I fought Montreal, and Montreal won. Um, so if well, you someone was just want, saying on, someone was just that, saying on Twitter that – someone was just saying on Twitter that we need to uh, periscope this. No, that's a bad – that's a terrible idea. We do not need to do that. Nope. Yeah, <laughs> no. No, that, that is a bad idea. You get to see my horrible interior decoration and Dan looking like he walked out of a, a war zone. <laughs> oh, it's funny is that when we do the Wednesday, so as I mentioned, we got we got like media up the wazoo this year. It's awesome. Uh, but Wednesday nights, I, I'm part of the of the stable of guys who goes on with Mark Rogers TV, and it's always funny because you know when you're when you're on camera versus when you're just talking, it's like I gotta I gotta do things totally differently. Like I gotta. All right, I gotta actually shave for this, like so I don't look like a so I don't look like a guy who literally rolled out of a gutter last week, which I, I have a tendency to do in the middle of the week. Um, but I did the show last week with uh, a, a Florida State blogger. Uh, uh, her name's Brittany. It's, I, I don't remember. I don't remember her last name. Uh, I think it was Brittany Taylor or Brittany Taylor Newman. That's it. And she had, like, this video. She had this beautiful tapestry behind her. She, like, had this whole thing interior designed. I got a naked white wall. Like, I got a white wall in me. I look like I'm taking a mug shot when I'm on video. And, like, my, I've got a ton of white, and I got a tiny head on my camera. I probably have a tiny head in general. And you just watch it, and you're like, she's got this great office. And then you got me. And I, it's like Win Ben Stein's money, where she's got the – the the other part of it, it, she's got like the Ben Stein cube with all the nice the 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 air, and then there's me, and I'm on a stool with a naked light bulb, so nobody needs to see that unless they tune well unless you tune in on Wednesdays, but uh, no one needs to see that with us. Yeah, no, you don't need to see my uh, pile of laundry that needs to be done or uh, my awful job of shaving. You don't need to see any of that right now. Um, I. I you know, if we had a professional uh, radio uh, station, I think that would be a different story. But right now, let's keep it to just audio, I think, would be the best fit. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll worry about the video stuff another day, and that's a good thing. But the good thing about video, about uh, radio versus video, is that you can call us. And that is my, uh, that is my, my shameless plug of the day. Uh, if, if call us at 646-200-0446. You can give us a call. You can talk Boston College. And uh, right now, as I mentioned, we're still waiting on John. We're hoping to God that he shows up. Otherwise, it's false advertising, and we look like jerks in the process. But, hey, uh, that's us. That's on us. We're working on that. Um, yep. Good question on the on the board here, on uh, on the message board here on BC Interruption. First two games, do you think a 
Fazio would rather keep things very conservative with the playbook for the first two weeks in order to not give Florida State film or open things up to get them live action experience. Um, AJ, I'll, I'll toss this question to you because I know I have an opinion on it, but uh, I'll let you start it out. Do you think we're not they're going to hold back or will they try to get aggressive and get more live action because they want to make sure that they know the playbook? I think they got to go kind of balls out on this. I think they got to go a little aggressive. You know, you'd want them to be a little bit more passive about how they've called plays and maybe, you know, not show Florida State everything. But you, I think the game speed is much more important than masking what they're going to do. Because I think Adazio has shown that he can he can take a, a play and, and – and, present it in a bunch of different ways to confuse defenses. And hopefully by that point, Wade will be ready to, you know, implement those plays. But I think he can't expect Wade to go into game three with no real game speed experience with plays that he's not ready to do. I agree. Um, I think that the, that the exactly that I mean they got to get these guys up to the speed there's a huge jump between high school to football in a sense that high school football high school football high school to college I should say high school football you run a playbook where you get that one play and if you're the one guy who's the most athletic one on the field you are the man um when you jump to college, it's a, it's a totally different set of circumstances. And I think I see a line on there, AJ. I think we may have some good news. So uh, I'll shut up, and I will, uh, I will go and, and answer this. So I'm almost positive this might be John. But, again, we, we new user interface on this thing. You'd think they could tell us who, who is who. So we're going to go to the phone lines. Hello. 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 Hello, uh, you are live on the air with Dan and AJ. How are you? Hi, this is 95Dougie95. Hey, Dougie, how's it going? Great. Uh, I was wondering what the situation with Mike Strezak was and, uh, like, what happened, like, him moving to defensive end and coming back to linebacker. Like, do you know what that was all about? AJ, I'll, I'll toss this one to you. I, I talked to Mike a little bit, but I think it had to do with depth. I think the Eagles have a lot of depth at defensive end, and that was where they were originally planning on playing him. But I think when the Eagles, uh, you know, went into summer practice and saw how much they're going to be able to get out of guys like Zach Allen and Evan Kelly, they decided, you know, we need to get that. We I think we think Strizak's going to be a better fit for our team at a linebacker position. So I think that's why they eventually transitioned him back because. You know, it was only the spring that they started to transition them over, and they they pulled the plug on that pretty quickly. Yeah, in my opinion, he's like the second best linebacker on the team. He, he looks pretty good. He had a sick sack against uh, Pitt. Yeah, I think you know Brian said in our roundtable today that he picks him to be the breakout star for our defense this year, and I could definitely see it. He seems like a kid that could easily make that big jump. Yeah, was Elijah Robinson just like just terrible at quarterback? Like, why did they move him? I thought... Dan, you want to take that one? Um, no, but I will anyway. <laughs> 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 nope, actually, actually, I don't. But uh, we'll we'll roll with it. Um, you know, uh, the quarterback situation is, is very interesting. There's a there's a lot of depth uh, at the quarterbacks at the quarterback position and. What you have to realize is that, you know, there, there's a more of a lack of depth at wideout. And what's happening is that many thought he, you know, he enrolled early and he came in as a gray shirt. But Elijah Robinson was also a wide receiver in high school. Uh, he was actually recruited, uh, AJ, I think you had mentioned this in your post. He was recruited to play wide receiver by Rutgers in Syracuse. And uh, he yeah. he is an experienced wideout. I think he's a... Uh, he he's not going to be the one of the top three quarterbacks on the roster when you factor in next year that Anthony Brown, who actually could start as soon as depending on how he comes in, because he potentially could be that good. Uh, I'm sure they had a conversation with Elijah and said, "Look, your best chance to play on this football team is going to be at wide receiver, especially with the depth that they have." So um, I I view it as uh, as that that they look at it. It's a lack of depth. At, depth at one position more depth at the other position 
We'll take the athletic guy who can play wide receiver. We'll make him a wide out. I'm actually pretty excited to see what he brings uh, at uh, at wide out. That's all from memory, and I pray to God I got it right. AJ, does that sound right? That sounds exactly right, Dan. You uh, you nailed that one, which is pretty. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm pretty happy with that. That's one of my hot, sizzling hot sports takes of the day. Dougie, you got anything else for us? Uh, that's all. Good night. All right. Thanks a lot thanks for, for calling, calling Dougie. Yeah. Hopefully we'll uh, hopefully we'll talk to you uh, talk to you next week. Feel free to call in again six four six two hundred zero four four six. Dougie, one of the guys who weighs in on our board. Uh, AJ, I'm not gonna lie. I pulled that one straight out of. Uh, Straight out, straight out of my eyeballs. There was no way I like I don't. I was pulling that out and saying, I'm almost positive. Please let this be the right guy. Otherwise, I am going to look like a fool right now. No, nope, you hit a home run with that one, Dan. I was very impressed that you were able to uh, pull that one straight out of the you know what. <laughs> oh, that was. Uh, I don't know why, but on my internet browser right now, I still have a Syracuse page open, so I'm going to close that one. It must be because I. It must be because I know Cash is giving me a, a hard time on the board about uh, about Diamond Ferry, so I'm sure that that's what I was looking at, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, it's preseason. We talk about some of the takeaways this year in uh, in the in the whole process of building a roster. Uh, 2015 Boston College. We know that Todd Fitch is installed as the offensive coordinator. Ryan Day is no longer the the, the offensive coordinator of Boston College. He got a great opportunity. Um, you know, we 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 talk about. Uh, I just completely lost my train of thought. By the way, we talk about Ryan Day, and I completely forgot my train of thought. I was bracing for an impact. Um, but you know, we talk about Day as an offensive coordinator and what he had to deal with. This is why I say it's a totally different team. Completely new person on as a uh, quarterback. Completely new offensive line. Completely new wide receivers. If you're building around your strength and you're building around what these guys bring to the table, it's kind of you know the chemistry and alchemy side of it. Ryan Day, as in terms of an offensive coordinator, is a totally different era. Even though it's been one year. I'm kind of excited to see what Todd Fitch brings to the table simply because it's a brand new year, brand new personnel, different re- differently recruited personnel. The the running backs are still the running backs. But as for those other skill positions, what Boston College can do, AJ, is going to be totally different. And they have a whole new offensive coordinator. I think this team is going to look completely different. I totally agree. I think, you know, you know, you know at the end of the day, it's Steve Adazio who's installing these offenses. He's not going up there saying, oh, offensive coordinator, just install whatever you want. He's got a plan. He's got a philosophy. So what you're going to see from Fitch today could be a little bit different, but that may be more based on the personnel that you have out there than anything else. We have actually another phone call, so maybe we want to get to that. Hey, let's do it. Uh, let's let's pick it up. we got a call on there. We answer the phone. Hey, you're on the air with, uh, with Dan and AJ. I see it's an 865. Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Dave down here at Knoxville, Tennessee, SEC country. Uh, this place, BC fan. Uh, oh, hey, how's it going? Brave soul. <laughs> yes, yeah, they uh, they love the balls down here. It's, it's a little obnoxious to how, how much they, they love college football. But. Uh, I guess I'm calling in. My question is, how do you guys feel about BC fan support? Uh, I feel... They need, definitely need more non-alums to, to be fans. I feel like I'm one of the, the non, one of five like non-BC alums who are a true fan of the program. And, it, uh, and I, I guess one, the one thing that really hurts is the perception in Boston that BC grads or uppity or you know whether whether that's wrong or right. But um, I guess just in the big picture, like. The BC fan support outside of the students, student section is great, really kind of sucks. I know when I watch games on TV, it's embarrassing. Like, the stadium is, is half half full, and I'm not sure if adjusting, adjusting the, the tailgate time is going to really help that, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Uh, I act, I actually agree. I agree on uh, on the basis of uh, of that the the fan support's not great. Um, you know, I, I'm one of the other five non BC alums. <laughs> um, I, just for the record, I I ain't go there, yeah. and I'm and I'm a hardcore BC fan. So nice. I'll, for what it's worth, on my two cents here, the the Boston College fan base, I think 
you know, adjusting the tailgate times, whatever it is, um, you know, I think I, – I don't look at it as everybody being in for kickoff. I know a lot of people prefer that. A lot of people right. look at that. I look at it as how's the atmosphere overall for the game. And I think if everyone's in, I know a lot of people come in middle of the first quarter, end of the first quarter. It's frustrating, but I've learned to kind of accept that as part of the the atmosphere. The people are out at their tailgates. They come in when uh, when BCPD or BPD, you know, ushers them in very, very rudely. Um, But I feel like when everyone gets there, once you're in the stadium, the thing that makes it exciting is the fact that the game's exciting. I know 20-odd years ago, 22 years ago, when I I went to my first BC game, I think it's actually 23 years ago now, my my dad bought tickets on a whim, said it was affordable. Hey, why not? I don't know anything about these guys. We went, we watched the game. It was great football. We loved it. The atmosphere in the game in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter was fantastic. We said, let's stick around, bought season tickets. So I think if you can get more of that, you, you, you offer things to families. I think that's awesome. If you continue with those promotional things, and of course, it's always going to be a big deal when you have certain opponents coming in. It's going to be very important to keep that rivalry with Notre Dame and bring it back to campus. I'm, I'm one of the few people, I know it's a huge game at Fenway Park, um, I, I understand some of the things that are surrounding it, uh, but if you can make that the next time it's a quote-unquote home game and you bring that back on campus and you you make it so that BC is competing with Notre Dame at home, competing with Florida State at home, people will come. It's the old uh, people will come, Ray, from, uh, from uh, whatchamacallit there, from Field of Dreams. So I agree, fan support probably could be better. It's still bouncing back from, from the, the past era. So I, I do agree. I don't know what the answer is at times, but I do agree it's got to get better. Yeah, I just uh, I I lived in Maine for about four years. I remember going to the the first uh, DCC game against Florida State, and the atmosphere was actually electric. I loved it. Uh, I haven't been to a game in a few years. I haven't been to a game in the Adagio era, but uh, from from what I can tell, it hasn't quite reached what it was, you know, back in the Tom O'Brien heyday, but. Uh, that hopefully, I mean, I think the other thing that will really help that is just winning, having, you know, continue to win and getting back to the, to the nine, 10 win level. It's just uh, one one more point. I think it's interesting too. I think the staff views fan support as a negative because they don't do nearly as many uh, official visits during, during home games. They try to, seems like they do them after the season. I don't know if they, you know, they view that as a negative of the program and don't want me to see that, but I just think that's interesting. I, I, I agree. That's something that I think we'll talk about, uh, of course, throughout the year. And, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're going to let you go because we got the phone lines jammed up a little bit, but uh, we'll, we'll let you get going. But appreciate the call. And, you know, hey, we love, we love hearing from SEC country. <laughs> we'll do. Take care. Take care, Thank Dan. you. We're going to keep the phone lines rolling. Looks like we got another call in there. Again, the, the new interface, I'm sorry that I can't identify if you're, if you're calling in, but I, uh, the only thing I see is, an, is, uh, is general location. I think we're in New England with this one. Hi, you're on the air with Dan and AJ. I'm sorry the, that, I, that I can't tell who you are or where you're calling from. Hey, guys. I'm up in New Hampshire. Um, I'm a little worried about uh, – I'm looking at the schedule, and I, I always like bowl season. I think that, you know – I still think it's kind of an accomplishment when you make a bowl, and I like when BC's in there. Um, and so I'm looking at the schedule and wondering where these six wins are going to come from. And you guys were kind of talking about it earlier. So if you got Maine and Howard and Northern Illinois, they kind of have to be wins, right? If you're going to if you're going to be in a bowl, you you got to beat them. And then Wake Forest, and that'll get you to four. And so when you're at Syracuse on the road to end the season. But then the rest of these games, I mean, even playing at the Carrier Dome isn't easy. And then I just – I don't know if I see the sixth win. If, if, if they're going to do it, if they're going to be there, who are they going to beat, do you guys think? I mean, either either you, both of you, whatever works. I hope it happens, but I, I, I don't know where it comes from. Yeah, so uh, to make things even more uh, – to get you a little bit more nervous, because they're playing two FCS schools, they have to have seven wins to make a bowl. They could get They could oh. get a waiver – if they run out of schools for uh, bowl eligibility, but they need to get seven wins. So you got to add a few more in there. <laughs> AJ, um, I'll level with you. That's not good. I, I hear you. Um, I, you know, you got to, I look at things through a different lens on some of these games, you know, a team like Virginia tech, they're already getting, you know, a lot of top 25 press and I get it because their defense is really good, 
but I am not sold on Frank Beamer and his offense. They haven't been good in years, and BC's beaten them year after year with Adazio. And I, I, they're playing them at home. I, I think BC could win that game. I'm not saying they will, but it's a game they could easily win. Duke, um, you know, they've had a lot of good press lately, but they're playing with a freshman quarterback too. So they're in the same boat we are. Um, NC State, I again another, you know, another team that's really hyped up right now. Um, Jacoby Brissett. I watched him last year. I don't know why he's getting the press that he's getting. He beat up on a lot of really bad teams last year. NC State played a lot of garbage uh, to get bowl eligible. So, again, I'm not going to say BC is going to win all those games, but they're games that BC could win if things start going their way. So, it's, you know, it could go either way. And you, you're definitely right. It, it, it could be a season where we're frustrated and things don't go our way and we aren't bowl eligible. But it also could happen where, you know, things happen where we can win a few of those games that are, are those toss-up type of games. What do you think, Dan? No, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think uh, when you look at the schedule, uh, one of my one of my key takeaways for this year's team, or, or one of my key takeaways on the schedule, is that you have a bunch of games on the schedule that are winnable. Um, I, I think that this team could easily gel and be a, a seven or eight win team in its sleep. Uh, at the same time, I think this team could be a four or five win team if it's caught napping. So, you know, I, I love the I love the analogy of Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech, year in and year out, is a top recruiting team, and yet BC under Steve Adazio was able to defeat them the last two years, and yet Virginia Tech, year after year, and I'm really high on them this year. Uh, they're they're a you know Bud Foster on the defensive side. They have one of the top defensive teams possibly in the nation possibly one of the all-time best defenses in recent ACC history uh, you know since the since coming over from the from the Big East this team could be really nasty that said I don't think there's a single Hokie fan that would walk into that game and say oh yeah we're going to demolish Boston College especially because it's up here and especially because it's up here in late October hopefully you get one of those nice fall days that's a little different from the Virginia climate um, uh, hopefully it just catches them at the right time it, it, and you catch them napping, BC's not a team you can nap on. Yeah, I like that both of those, the, the Virginia Tech and the AJ you mentioned, uh, NC State, I like that those are both uh, up here in Chestnut Hill. I think that's going to be uh, a big help. And then um, I don't know how I feel about the result, but I at least think that the Fenway game is going to be fun. I, yeah, I, I agree. Think, and, oh, AJ, I'll, I'll let you go with it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good time, no matter what, what happens. I think, you know, that that's a game that, I don't know, it, it, it could be, you know, Notre Dame, you know, wiping the flow with BC. But, it, you know, BC, this is one of those seasons where Notre Dame is, again, highly ranked. Notre Dame has all their claim. They're a top five school in the preseason ranks. But maybe this is the year BC will, you know, again knock them out when they need a big win, when Notre Dame needs to beat BC to, to get into the playoffs, to put themselves in that position. And wouldn't that be sweet? Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, get David Gordon out there for the kickoff. That'd be great. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. Look, we're, we're going to get you going so we, can, uh, so we can address a couple other questions. But thanks for the call. Call in, uh, call in early and often in the next couple weeks or throughout the season. Okay, yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks. We really appreciate the call. 646-200-0446. A good question. We, we do have a chat up on the on the Blog Talk radio page, um, which is a newer feature. Uh, we only used it a couple times last year, but a question that was asked a, a little while ago, just picking up on it, so I do apologize for the delay in it. Do you guys think Darius Wade is the quarterback of the future? Will he be the next starter for the next three years, or do you foresee – Jeff Smith or Anthony Brown taking over before Wade graduates? I think that's a fantastic question because we do not know what we have in uh, um, in Darius Wade at all. And, and uh, we talk up Darius Wade. I don't think anybody really wants to say that Darius Wade is not – like you don't want to say to a 19-year-old kid, you're not the quarterback of the future. You're not the guy we want to go with. You're you're here, and if you stink and you don't play well, we're going to go find someone who can win that position. But is Darius Wade good enough to take this team over the next three years? What do you think? 
I haven't seen enough of them. And I think that's the, I think, you know, unless we've been sitting in practices, it's hard to, it's hard to gauge it. You know, um, I'd love to be able to have a, a hot steaming hot take on this, but I got to watch him. I got to see his game film. I want to see him. I want to see what he does in his reads. I want to see how he reacts to pressure. I want to see what he does, uh, you know, in goal line situations, what he does, you know, how, how he runs the offense. If he can, if he's going to run hurry up, if he's going to keep it slow, what he does. I want to see all those little intricacies to see what Darius Wade can do before I can make that kind of, uh, you know, assessment on what his, his role is. Cause it's not fair. You know, if you're out there already saying Darius Wade is not the quarterback of the future, just because of what you read in the scrimmage, it's kind of, no offense, it's kind of stupid. You know, it, he's, he's out there playing with half of his wide receivers and a brand new offensive line against, one of the arguably one of the best defensive lines in the in the one of the better defensive lines in the ACC. So you know I want to see what he's able to do, um, and I also want to see what Jeff Smith's able to do. I hope hopefully um, he's going to get a chance. You know I, I commented about it on BCI earlier this week. He jumped according to Adazio, he's jumped already Troy Flutie on the depth chart. So maybe we're going to get a chance to see what Jeff Smith will be able to do. And from what I hear, he's a, he's got more tools than Tyler Murphy. And he's got more speed than Tyler Murphy. And he plays like a very similar type of game. So he might be a lot of fun to watch. So it's going to be an interesting quarterback battle if that's the case. You know, you, you bring up you bring up Troy Flutie. And I know we he, he, I feel bad for him because he's kind of, you know, pe- people want to think that, that he's either going to be great or he's not going to be great. And they only look at the name when they do it. Troy Flutie was by far one of the best quarterbacks in Massachusetts State High School history. Anybody who lived up here can tell you that he was a two-way style threat, and he's the reason why Natick High football won as many games as they did. He was a great high school quarterback. Now, like I said, there's a jump between high school to college. It was one of those things that I was talking about before we started getting some calls. High school, if you're the one player with all the athleticism, you can make that jump to college and you just have to be refined to play a particular position, but you have to get adjusted to speed, the different intricacies of an offense. You don't have that in high school. If, even if you run the spread, it's find the open guy and throw it to him. If you're a quarterback, you're either running the spread or the option. That's pretty much it in, in high school football, at least up here. I don't know if it's like that everywhere else, but at least up here in Massachusetts. Troy Flutie was unbelievable at it. Now, here's the problem. He goes to Boston College. You know, Some of the feedback on him is that as a redshirt, he's a redshirt freshman. We don't know what we could get from him um, if he were in the game. I'm not you know detracting him, and I'm not saying he's he's great. You know he's the type of guy that we, we heard about him underthrowing Drew Boxdale during a scrimmage a couple weeks back. You know maybe Jeff Smith has has leapfrogged leapfrogged him in the, in the charts. You know he's a name that's always going to be around there. But how much can we really expect from him? He might be the third best quarterback in the ACC and just have the two best quarterbacks in front of him. You don't know. It's just one of those things that you can never tell. And speculating about it, almost, if, if God forbid anyone reads it, which, you know, they read, they know, they know what's out there. I, you know, hopefully they don't pay too much attention to it in their preparations. But if there's enough talk about it, you know, he's the type of guy, if he underthrows and starts telegraphing his other throws, hopefully he can at least find a way to get some playing time just so we know if he's going to be good or if he's not going to good, not going to be good. And I think AJ again, that's something we flush out in the first two weeks of the season. I don't even know what to think about him, but it seems like everybody has an opinion about Troy Flutie. Yeah, I think it's that it's a it's a bias against Massachusetts, you know, Massachusetts football. <laughs> and I think honestly, it's that bias that led us to where Doug Flutie was 25 years ago, which is funny because. No one thought he'd be able to do it. He's a short kid, didn't have the, you know, the. T- no one thought he'd have the talent to be able to compete at the level he was. By the way, I'm, but, I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make you feel really old. It's like 35 years ago now. Oh God, <laughs> I do feel old. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyways, all right. 35 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think it's hard unless you've been at the scrimmages and honestly, as we've said on the blog, we haven't been able to, unfortunately, Dan and I, we have day jobs. We can't get there. Um, you know, it's vacation times. I we're we're getting ready to prepare to, to give you guys content up the wazoo for the next 12 to 15 weeks. And unfortunately, this is the time that we have to take vacations and stuff. So, or our wives would leave us. Um, (laughs) um, so, 
you know, we don't make the scrimmages. I can't get out on a Saturday morning right now because I am already going to a gajillion BC football games. So I can't really comment on what their technique is like and what they look like throwing a spiral and what, you know, what's their follow through look like. We're going to have, we're going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait to see what they, you know, what they do. And, you know, there are other experts out there. Eric Hostas, he's a great one to watch, you know. Um, I know he's been busy lately, but he's a he's got a really good insight um, into what you know technique and, and these what these players can do. So hopefully we'll get him on later um, another week. Yeah, we we joke. Um, you you know you make that comment. Just remember, I got married in the middle of November. All right, I uh, I got married, and I know my wife's probably in the other room rolling her eyes about me right now. But I got married in the middle of November. I took my honeymoon during the the it was an off week. Thank God it was an off week. But it was uh, the we got married and my honeymoon was opposite the Florida State game. So naturally, I wrote all my stuff and then let you guys handle the handle FSU Twitter for me. So I really appreciate that. But you know, it's like this year, same idea. I know, like you say, we you know you get that the anniversary time of year. You you take your vacations and you you plan around it. I am going to be back the day before the Notre Dame game. I am going to be gone that whole week. I'm going to miss the build up to it. Just like I did last year against the uh, against the Seminoles, I'm gonna miss the build up to to Notre Dame this year at Fenway. But I'll be back for the game. Last year I watched the game on an Antiguan island. This year I'm gonna watch it at home. But uh, you know, we take our vacations when we can get them, even if it's in the middle of football season. Yeah, uh, I was actually. You mentioned your wedding was during the FSU game. I actually didn't. My I got married on a Sunday, so I didn't have to miss any college football and that's actually before college football started however i did go on like a i think a 14-day honeymoon um and i missed get this i missed bc and northeastern football it was i think it was northeastern's last year that they were around and that was the game i missed i I I remember it i think it was spaz's first game and they won like 52 to nothing or something crazy injured injured two northeastern quarterbacks along the way yep and i just remember watching that the highlights of that in my Sweden, my honeymoon. And I also watched, remembered watching highlights during ESPN of LeGarrette Blount punching that guy from Boise state. (laughs) Well, I'll say, all right, we're going to go to the old wives tales. My wife, I'll give her a lot of credit on this one. We were, we were wandering around our resort. Uh, I remember getting ready to go to dinner on that Saturday. Like it was our last night. We're going to fly out the next day to come home. We go, we're, we're down in, down in the Caribbean, we're, like, walking along the beach. We sit down in the lounge to have a couple cocktails before dinner. What's on the television as we're sitting in this open-air Caribbean lounge? Boston College versus Florida State. And we sat there yelling at the TV during the game as Jameis Winston led that drive at the end of the game. And all I sat there was I just remember I just remember looking at her and I said, you know, I, if I ever had a question about why I got married, it's not because you made me miss the game. It's because you were sitting here yelling just as loud as I was at the game. As a couple, <laughs> of, as a couple of people walked by wearing shirts supporting FSU, I will never forget sitting at a sitting at a swim up bar while looking at a, a on game day that Saturday. And this this girl, I say girl because she looked like she was about twelve, which makes her probably you know five years younger than me. And she she walks by me. She's wearing this tank top that says. Forever we stand unconquered, FSU down the side. And I just remember my wife looking at her, and I was like, oh, I hope we ruin her vacation. I'm like, yup, and that's why I married her. Not because I had to watch it in the Caribbean, but because of that reason. We created BC. Well, you didn't have to. I created a BC fan in my midst. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great story. I don't have anything like that, but um, uh, that, that's fantastic. So, uh, you know, I think it's uh, – Looking like time, maybe we should wrap this up. Unfortunately, we're sorry to our guests. It seemed like uh, our phone call with John didn't work out today. Uh, maybe we'll try to connect with him later. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, I just uh, you know, we always say hope all is well there, and just hope that he's. Uh, you know, hopefully we get to connect another time with him. I'm sure with with his schedule, it's, his schedule is a little bit more hectic than ours is, which uh, is saying something. So, believe me, before before I, I say anything, I you know, or, or think anything negatively. I understand wholeheartedly having done this for a number of years and realizing sometimes you, you say you can, and then something comes up and then it's something else. And then next thing you know, you look at the clock and you say, Oh, nuts. Oh, I for, like, uh, for, where did the time go? So we, we apologize yep. to you. 
and you know we'll connect with him and, and, and see if we can get him another time on here. I'm certainly uh, not upset because if nothing else, AJ, we got to talk some football. Exactly, and we got ourselves ready. Uh, it's a good warm up for Maine Week next week, where we'll uh, talk to the local Maine fan, uh, local Maine fans. Hopefully, if they want to call in and tell us why Maine's going to beat BC. Oh no, that was last year with UMass. Sorry, uh, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, we need some more of them. Um, Maybe we'll be able to find a, a local uh, media person who can tell us about Maine football. If any of us care. <laughs> worst, worst case, I'll hit up. I got a couple of friends who uh, I got a couple of people who worked out at the worldwide worldwide leader. I know uh, my 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 buddy's uh, my buddy's girlfriend is like is a huge Oklahoma fan. So I'll just have her come on and talk college football with us. And I know that like she'll probably blow all of us out of the water because she's an Oklahoma football fan. Oh, of course. <laughs> All right, so Dan, let's All right. wrap it up and yeah, uh, we, take it home. Yeah, well, you know, every Tuesday, as we mentioned, we will be on at 8 p.m. Uh, feel free to tune in whenever you can. Uh, 646-200-0446. We thank all those who called in this week, and hopefully, you know, we'll have uh, repeat callers and new callers next week as we get set for uh, real football. A week from Saturday, it's real football. Pads, hitting, scores. Actual records being kept. It's a beautiful thing. Next Saturday, it'll be Maine at Boston College. We will be back on September the 1st. That's next Tuesday, 8 p.m. We will be right here talking Boston College football, getting ready. We'll, we'll hire a moose to talk to if we have to in order to talk about Maine football. But you know what, AJ? We're going to be breaking things down and getting ready for a real football game and checking out the head-to-head matchup. Yep, it's, it's going to be fun. We have 12... 12 games this year and hopefully a bowl game uh you know we'll t- we'll talk all we'll talk up and down about every game we'll give recaps we'll have guests we'll hopefully have awesome callers like we did last year hopefully have guys like dylan and uh i'm already blanking on his name what was the guy from florida that used to call hd Bash on- yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he always was a hot take guy he was awesome yeah we made a hot take guy maybe we'll have him call back and you know, Kate, whoever else called in. Yeah, there we go. Um, so we're looking forward to a lot of fun this year, Dan. So as always, go Eagles. Go Eagles. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, everybody. See ya. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.